This episode is brought to you by our free Flex Guide ebook. Give your application for flexible working the best chance of success with our nine easy steps to follow and information about your entitlements. Go to our website, thejuggle.com.au forward slash flex guide and download the guide. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lilovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Joel Lilovich. And Lucy Dickens. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. Today, we have episode two for you in our two-part series about returning to work. Last week, we got to speak to psychologist Justine from Transitioning Well about ways that you can better prepare yourself for returning to work after maternity leave. This week, we're going to tackle the question from the perspective of our children. So we want to talk to you and share with you some ideas on how we can prepare our children for our return to work and help them manage the transition. A few months ago, we were joined by early childhood education professional Mandy Richardson, and she spoke to us about the biggest question of all, are we harming our children by being working parents? In case you missed it, episode 28, the answer was no, we're not. (laughs) Thank God. But we had some really good feedback about the episode with Mandy, and in fact, it is still one of our most downloaded episodes. So we thought we would get her back on. You obviously liked her. And we have invited Mandy to talk to us today about how we can prepare our children for returning to work. In case you haven't heard from Mandy before, we'll give you a little bit of a background on her. Mandy Richardson is an early childhood education professional, and she has a natural passion and love for children. She's the director of Ray's Early Childhood and works with families as they navigate the early years of parenthood. Her focus is on helping parents and people working with children to form new and respectful perspectives. She has a master's in human services, childhood studies, and is currently undertaking a PhD in respectful parenting methods. Welcome back, Mandy. We loved having you so much last time that we've invited you back again. Thank you so much for having me again. It's great to be back. As you know, we want to talk to you today about the return to work, specifically about how we can help our children with our transition back to work after a period of maternity leave. So there are lots of things at play from a child's perspective here. We've got new carers, new environment, new routines. What do you see as some of the biggest concerns for children? Sure, look, it's a really important one. Obviously, as we know, the attachment to the primary caregiver is so strong and they do obviously adapt to the fact that they're home with one of the primary caregivers. And so a shift in care is quite a huge adjustment for a child, but not one that they can't bear. They're very resilient and capable of being in the care of somebody else. And it very much is, like you say, around how we manage that transition. And so I guess for me, when I think about it, something I've really come to learn over time and probably also through trial and error being among myself is looking first at the perspective and expectations you have yourself about the entire transition and how you manage your own expectation around it. So, for instance, I think in the last podcast I actually mentioned that one of the studies about a, a mum, especially mothers returning to work, was that mums who were apprehensive, actually the ones that were sort of managed the apprehension around returning to work and leaving their children in a care, a, a child care, actually adjusted 
better if they weren't apprehensive, if they managed that apprehension. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that we touch on our state of mind initially. So for instance, I guess the confidence that we have around the decision that we've made and then the confidence that we project to the child is one of the most important things I would say. So Mandy, would you say then that how we feel and as you say, our state of mind, our focus on our return to work and just generally how the mum is, is going to have the biggest impact on the child. I definitely think that that is the biggest one. And so there's lots of ways around managing that. But obviously, as we know, any mum who has returned to work, it comes with mixed emotions. There would be emotions, possibly enjoyment of being around adults again, or, you know, the passion that you have for your work in your field. So there'll be probably elements of excitement. But then there's also that anxiety about your child's care, possibly guilt, which I know, you know, you touched on in the last podcast. And even maybe that you are having to return to work circumstantially and maybe don't want to return to work yet. And so there's all this, this things that are going on inside us, nervousness, anxiety, stress. And I guess for me, what we found even just talking to lots of parents is just being aware of our low intensity emotion in our relationship with our child at all times actually does help because what's happening for us always is going to impact upon our children because of that intimate relationship we share with them and so it's really important that we just take time to acknowledge how are we feeling about it so one of the ways we can help them to prepare is by being confident about the transition ourselves what are some other things we can do perhaps some more practical things do you recommend that we implement a gradual change so if they're going to a new daycare for example should we start them with half days or a few days or should we jump right in um, look, I guess for me, I always like to say that it's it's based, it's case by case and this is where communication within the family unit is so important. So, you know, some people would say, oh, you know, you just go full on and just commit to it and let them go full time and others. But that's, again, comes, this is where I think it's so important that it's a personal because it depends on how you're managing. With it. Some people might benefit themselves by going, I think, letting the child go full time is going to make me feel better about it and accepting of it. So to be honest, I'm not a one rule fits all type thing. What I do think is important though, is that first of all, I reckon even backtracking that tiny bit, the next practical thing after sort of looking at your feelings around it would be for me taking the time to really decide on the care and spending a lot of time on that step, you know, being in the care that you've chosen yourself for a period of time, whether it be a daycare centre or with the person that you've selected, spending some time catching up with them. So if you talk about introducing the child gradually, I definitely do believe in that type of gradual introduction and the fact that you spent time there, you've asked questions, you're feeling more and more comfortable with it and slowly have introduced the child to that person so that that can be more natural and progressive rather than... And look, care centres and people who are in the industry have beautiful ways of helping this process along too, which is really helpful because they may be your greatest asset to help you along as well. And that many daycares do actually say parents come along and actually spend two hours in the care before even ever talking about a child being dropped off. So it is a process, especially the younger the child... So what are some of the things that we should look for then when we're searching for a daycare or another type of childcare facility? Look, I would say, first of all, is obviously you can start your search online and look around in your area and make it practical, whether it be an area close to your home or whether it be that it's going to be more practical to drop them off in an area closer to your work. So there's lots of options around that. And then after that, I definitely think 
it is a case of making contact, but also personal contact in visiting and viewing different senses. And when you are viewing them, I would be looking, depending on the age of the child again, I think, as we discussed last time, that the younger the child, the more likely we are wanting to look for primary caregiver structure where there's not multiple different carers, but that there's either one primary carer or at least consistent, not high turnover care where you know that the child's going to be able to recognise a face and you're going to be able to recognise a face on drop-offs. And that's a really important one as well in regard to if you're only doing every second or third day drop-off, that maybe you're aware that that's the Wednesday person's always going to be there so that you're not just initially, especially at the younger of the child, because we know that primary caregiving is a really securing thing for a child. And also what I'd be looking for is obviously sensitive caregivers, looking at the environment. There's so much about child development now that you can look online and, and get a feel for what is um, really positive, natural child development and asking to take away pamphlets about their routines, you know, and I guess when you're doing this, what you're doing is you're sorting through for yourself what is aligning with your family values and styles so that you, again, like we said in the beginning, can feel confidence and not um, unsure. And, and you can be as picky as you want about this because it's so important for you. And so you can ask questions, see how adaptable they are. Oh, it's really important. And especially like if this would, um, like we said before, if, if there is any apprehension for you, it's going to make it really difficult, not only for you, but definitely for your child. Because if you're not feeling secure in the choice that you've made, and so I've spoken to lots of mums, and sometimes this takes a long time and they find this process really frustrating, but in the end, they're happy that they took the time to be certain and to sort of go through the process, I guess. When you are looking for a daycare centre, you know, it's hard. There's a lot of people who start talking about the fact that they can't find a centre that suits or they just can't get into any centre at all. If you are in a situation where you've actually managed to find perhaps a, a couple of different ones that you like and you're in a position of choice, do you recommend getting the child involved in the choice? Um, that's a really good question. And look, again, it's coming down to the age of the child. Look, there's elements of conversation. I definitely think that you can have an open, uh, ask opening questions. But I do think putting that on a child can actually also be really anxiety-inducing yes. depending on the way you approach it. I think as a parent trying to look for a child to be okay with it, I don't think you're necessarily going to get a child that's like, yes, I picked this one and I'm so happy that I'm going to be with you, mum. And not that it would be like that. That sounds far too easy, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, uh, look, I'm all for that whole uh, dialogue. But in this area, I, I definitely talk a lot about it's really important that parents are honest, honest about how they're feeling, honest about how their child may be feeling, accepting and acknowledging of all the feelings that come. But I think when it comes to decision-making, I'm very much around the idea that the more confident and leader, leadership the parent can take, the actual less of the, that anxiety trickles down to the child, I think. Speaking of that anxiety of the child and the difficulties with the child, one of the biggest issues that tends to get raised is this idea of, oh, my God, I had such a struggle this morning because my child was crying and didn't want to let me go when I had to drop them off. Whether that is at a daycare or any other type of care, it was just that separation from you when you were on your way to work. And we know that obviously many mums feel a lot of guilt around that, but how do we handle the goodbyes so that we're doing the best thing for the child? That's a really important one. And I think, firstly, it's really important to understand that children do have, can go through periods of separation anxiety. There's obviously periods where you should be aware that it peaks and it's 
really difficult for them, but that can be even at home moving from one room to the other. Yes. <laughs> but I think definitely with coming to daycare is, it's basically to understand that it's probably, it's not unreasonable to expect that they will have a hard time partying with you. And I think, again, this is where this whole idea of, this is why I started with the idea of confidence, because whatever you're sensing around even the drop-off, if you're sensing, I feel guilty, gosh, they're going to be traumatised, I've ruined their lives, any of those things we speak to ourselves about, which we heard recently, and we all do it, it's amazing that the frame of mind you're in at that moment of drop-off is mm. absolutely going to make it either easier. And, you know, you have a lot of stories where you hear parents thinking, I'm just going to stay until they're settled, I'm just going to be yes. with them, I'm just going to keep giving them, you know, ready and all this stuff. And it sounds fantastic, but what actually ends up happening is it actually even causes the child to start to go, why is she so unsure? Do I have something to worry about? Like, it actually can cause a greater sense. So I found this firsthand as well through different periods of children, my children feeling uh, a difficult time partnering with me. And look, they can go in and out of it as well. Like I've got my I'm a six-year-old, almost six-year-old, and she's just had a little patch through school where she was having a hard time and I revisited this stuff. So what I suggest is that, first of all, you build some predictable routines around your drop-off in your morning. And I mean specific, especially for children. I'm saying things like, you know, we're getting ready for daycare and today we're going to drive there, we're going to walk up this path, we're going to open the yellow door and be really particular about exactly what you'll do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to do a puzzle with you, I'm going to give you a tight sweep and then I'm going to say goodbye and blow your kiss through the window or whatever your routine is going to look like. And then be really confident about that and stick with that. And then if they do something. Why be so specific? What's the significance of that? You know, you mentioned a yellow door and those types of things. What's the significance there? I think if you can imagine that if you almost can paint a picture in your child's mind, it almost is like a really visual chance for them to imagine themselves doing those things. And I don't know if you know for yourself, like if they were feeling anxious about something the next day, like you've got to give a presentation, if you can imagine yourself, okay, I'm going to put the PowerPoint plug in and then I'm going to turn this on and then and talk yourself through the steps, it really does help you to be prepared, I guess. And so we find that being really specific, it's almost like, gives the child almost like their own mental checklist that they're like okay that part that part and you know I've tried all different things even mm. after you know reading all about it and things and I, I've never seen such a significant shift for my children than when I'm have done that sort of thing where and then when I stick to it every day and then especially when they're going through periods where it's quite intense where they don't want to let you go we I would start to sometimes feel overwhelmed and think oh I just want to sort of make it better and not leave them sad like I'd rather than be ready to say goodbye but by doing that the carers often will say that that routine also helps them to settle quicker there will be those times won't there where the kids have settled in and then all of a sudden they are disrupted for you know you might not even know what it may be it may be something like specific that you can point to like a change of carer or it may be that you just don't know and it's just something internal to the child so where you've got that where you you thought you had it all together everything was going well with the kid and you were enjoying being back at work and then all of a sudden something changes for your child how do you recommend we deal with that is it just continuing to do what we've always done or do we need to do something different I think sometimes it's probably just taking a quick step back and just quickly observing, like you said, maybe seeing if there is anything you can pinpoint in their development or anything like as their sleep changes. Usually, like if you look at the whole picture, maybe you know, uh, but silliest things can sometimes make children. It's not like they can't cope, but they do. They're more sensitive to change, I think, in any realm. 
So yeah, step back, observe, see what you, if you can pinpoint something. And it might not be something about the school. Like sometimes people think, oh, maybe someone's being mean to them at school or some, maybe the teacher's not being very kind to them or something. But it's not usually even related to the school. It can be something random or something else. So firstly, yeah, just step back and look. And then if there is something that maybe you want to investigate further, you can always book a meeting with a teacher or, or have a talk to the care, carer and ask if they've noticed anything as well. And then other than that, really, I think it is about maybe tightening up routines. Sometimes I've found when I'm looser, then they're struggling more. But if I tighten up routines, they, they settle again. Mandy, how do we know if a child is struggling with the transition or maybe just taking some time to settle in as opposed to them simply not being ready yet to leave their primary caregiver for this length of time, you know, this often? Um, look, that's a really interesting question. I know you what you mean in the sense that, look, it's, I think it's always going to be a difficult transition for children. It is. But again, I struggle with the idea of thinking they, you know, unless there's some severe anxiety or everything goes out the window in terms of they're really struggling to settle in routines as sleep and back home and things like that, I'd be wary of thinking that they can't adapt. Most children can adapt. It's, it's about the leadership that we provide them to adapt. I think that I would usually, before even thinking that I'm not ready at all, I would be thinking, what else can we do to support this? You know, like, or is there something to think about changing the carer as opposed to thinking, I, I really do think children are much more capable than we give them credit for. They're not, they're not going to melt in our hands, you know, they really are quite amazing. They're a lot more resilient than uh, than grown adults sometimes. But thinking of what we can do differently yes. in terms of dealing with those kids, is there something that we can be doing differently at home as well when we return to work? Should we spend less time with yes. them so that they're ready to be separated from us? I know what you mean. Look, around independence and independent play, I, I sort of know what you mean about that. Like, there's not a look, I think home is the actual first place I'd look at before even thinking and and one of the things I had written down here is family routines and and family life is almost a something that comes before even you know thinking about the care that you're going to send them to to be honest so for instance just the way we are with our children so predictable routines in the family in general bring about bring about security so sometimes when there's just a lot of unpredictable stuff in a family it makes any other big change really difficult for a child. So, for instance, things like just anything, things like dinner and sleep and even just what, when they, you know, expectations they have about what they do in the day. Um, I always talk to families about really early on having something like a family plan that's often referred to or family schedule or a family needs chart where you constantly always integrate the fact that we're a family and from very, very young, like my two-year-old book, you know, talk about things like that even now because it's just always been a thing other little things like you know I always advocate for dinner times because often you know after pickups so say you are going back to work and then after pickup what I often hear families say is oh I just want to spend some quality time with my child and I you know plan to come home and play with them it's going to be fantastic we're going to go to the park and all they end up having is a pretty whining whinging yeah. child who's <laughs> demanding and cranky and all this stuff and they're thinking oh there goes my quality time but we actually um encourage parents to perceive it differently that actually the way the child's reconnecting back to you is often by seeking out a firm safe boundary again which is what we talked about last time often if they've come home and they're starting to whine and cling actually saying to the child you know 
oh, you know, you missed me and acknowledging that they did and I missed you too and all those things, but then not letting them push all the boundaries because sometimes what happens is we feel sad we've been away all day, feel guilty we've been away all day. And so we give them all the goodness of everything they've demanded, thinking that'll make them feel special, but it actually makes them feel less reconnected and less secure. It's, it's amazing. It's sort of like you've got to think of it in a different way. So would you suggest that we need to spend more time or, or focus more on making sure that we get good quality time together, especially when they're apart from us in care for some part of the week? Yeah, and I think predictable quality time, like I to say something that you and them depending on the age again, something that you know that you both enjoy and and things I can look forward to. So the older my children are getting, you know, like I'll say, we do after dinner walks in summer, but I'll do one at a time. So I'll let Ariel ride her bike next to me while I run or um, Pascal will walk, go in the pram with me. But they just little things that they can almost guarantee they're going to have contact time that is just, do you know what I mean? So then they're not seeking, and I've heard the same, in fact, the lady that I'm doing all my research about, she said, you know, quality time some of the time is much better than half half attention all of the time. Yes. You know, when you sort of have been folded all the time and you keep sort of letting them follow you and just, and it's actually making you ineffective and they're not playing independently. We think, oh, but I'm at least sort of involved in them the whole time, but that actually feels less enjoyable than quality time. And, and I was saying this to my husband the other day, I was like, I think sometimes with children we expect that they're just going to, Rhythms change, but even for us, if one of us is busy and going through a busy patch, sometimes I'll, when he comes home, instead of just being like, oh, great, let's have a nice glass of wine and a nice chat up, I'll often irritate him because I'm feeling neglected. So I think so children <laughs> can sometimes communicate just the same as we would. It's, it's good to see it as a relationship. It's not just going to all be, you're not going to always just have this happy child and happy everything. It's actually when there's also difficult emotions that's also connection it's Mm. important to see it like that so I really like this idea that we need to make it really clear to our kids that we have our own lives and that we obviously love and support them but that they also need to fit in yeah it's so important for them because I've even had you know people who have said to me oh I feel so guilty going on a date with my husband and booking a babysitter and and look I'm all for you know I'm all for attachment absolutely and it's so important and things but what I think people sometimes perceive from a child is that they're gonna be traumatized or we're gonna scar them by you know all these things but what they actually learn is a whole range of other lessons by by you know by valuing us too and valuing other relationships in our lives and of course if that's all the time and the child's consistently with the babysitter then something's out of balance but I think it's that whole balance of needs balance of of everything I think they learn a lot of respect from that and and being really honest with them and being really honest about their feelings too like you wish you could come I wish you could come too you know it's not about being cut and dry It's, it's the emotional dialogue that goes with it as well so yeah it's really important that's so special and Honestly, I can't, I can't advocate enough for building in some family culture as well. Like we have dinner together at the table. We try to do it at least five times a week. But if not, you know, we don't ever go less than three times a week. We sit at the table and we do something called highs and lows. We go around the table. And we've done this since the children were so small that even our one-year-old would say, you know, just, <laughs> just say 
whatever. And even now, she sits down and she's the first one to say hi to most guys, hi to most, and to go around and say what was a high of the day and a low of the day. And it's, it's really special. And um, they do recommend also that, you know, often parents think, oh, well, I'll bond with them when I put them to bed and I'll bond with them when I meet them in the night. But they recommend that you do another bonding time apart from that as well. Yes. That's really hard for them to let go at the end of the night yes. if they haven't had that. Mm. Um, in fact, that's when you'll get around sleep as well. And that can be hard to, to think of and to try to fit in when you're working. And I know mornings are, are, are hectic for a lot of people, but then so are evenings. And I think it's about thinking outside the box. And, you know, the family meal time doesn't have to be dinner time if dinner time is not the time that works for everyone. So, you know, maybe it could be breakfast or some other part of the day. So it's such a good point. And like I said before, even like part of me in my exercise sometimes is running next to a bike because it's doing killing two birds at once. And you've sort of got to think quite smart. And then it also, I also don't see it as a daily sometimes. I think sometimes you also got to go in cycles as well. And the fact that some people think, oh, every day, everything has to be done perfectly. But just like everything else in life, you can't have a perfect day where every single thing is fit in. It's about distributing it and making sure it's all in balance, I think. Um, there's going to be a couple of days in a row sometimes when I don't get the perfect quality time, but then I'm, I'll, I don't let that slip from my thinking of the week, you know, like it wouldn't be a whole week or two weeks or three weeks where, yeah, where that's affected too much, I think. So I've got a few ideas based on all the things that you've said, Mandy, but if you were to tell people the most important thing to make sure that their children are going to be best adapted if that's prepared best prepared to you returning to work what would you suggest that's such a hard one (laughs) the most honestly the most practical one that comes to mind is organization I know that's not my forte at all so (laughs) probably for me that's why it stands out to me but for us, like even like you said, Lucy, just before that, you know, sometimes it's practical at night because not nights busy, mornings busy. And I've found over, you know, the course of my short six years of being a mum that every single year I'm just having to refine our, our order, our order in our lives so that things work better and more succinctly and things so that everything else is easier, I think. You know, that happens as you change. But for me, organisation's massive. So like, I know you talk about this in your podcast a lot in terms of, you know, distributing things like house cleaning and things like that. But, but like meal prep on a Sunday night, we're just still, even now, still learning how to just be so organised so that it's not like a long dinner prep every day or so that other things that are important and then the morning routine as well. Yeah, so these things sound related. It sounds like what you're saying is have a routine, know what it is, be organised so that you can follow through on that and then be confident about what that routine is so that your child then picks up on your confidence and not on other more negative emotions. What a great rap. Yeah, it is. Well, that's the thing. Exactly. You said they're all interconnected. And I think surprisingly one thing in isolation would be unfair. I think it is so interconnected. So you just totally summed that up, Lucy, like a pro. So yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming back again, Mandy. It's been really good to have you on the podcast again. No, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you and listening to your podcast. It's great. Thank you, Mandy. (laughs) 
you want to find out more about Mandy and her business, Raise Early Childhood, have a look at her website, which is raiseearlychildhood.com. And as always, we'll include links to her social media in the show notes. I'm really glad, Joe, that you brought that conversation at the end back to the example that we set for our children when we go to work or when we do things that are, you know, that are important to us that aren't just about the children. Because that's something we touched on in the last episode when we were speaking about working mums harming their children. In fact, when we were speaking more specifically about working mums not harming their children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that it's really easy, especially when your child is struggling with your return to work, to turn all of your focus on them. And that, from what we're hearing, just actually makes it worse. Mm. So it is really important to remember why you're doing what you're doing, even if it's because you have to go back to work for financial reasons at least keep that in mind and Mm. accept and be comfortable with the reasons for returning and why you're doing it and know in your mind that it's the way it has to be for whatever your reason is. Yeah. And we can be confident about that and clear about that without having to be patronizing or, you know, this is just the way it is. So get on with it. We can be caring at the same time. Yeah, I agree. So we hope all of you got something out of that as well. We, as usual, have fun sharing these conversations with you. And if you want to come and continue the conversation with us, then you're more than welcome to join our Facebook community, which is called The Juggle Community. And you can find it in the group section on Facebook. And if you haven't already, please do subscribe and give us a rating so we know what you think. Leaving a review really helps other people to find out about our show. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Happy juggling. Happy juggling.